0: Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Jesse Gastan. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gastan.
1: And it is nippy out there cold, cool, sunny but chilly just kind of cold, you gotta be really careful what's going on with our weather. We've had several months of just continuous rain, unlike California, and now it's cold in January. It must be, it must be, (laughs) because the 49ers lost the Super Bowl game yesterday. So the sun decided to take a chill pill and let us all really think about exactly what happened. (laughs) I want to welcome you to the Monday edition of Lifeline. Really, it's cold out there. I think it was around 34 degrees this morning when I woke up and looked out the window and realized, you know, I better put a coat on if I'm going to go to the car and uh, get my coffee cup to put coffee in it. And coming into the office just now, is nippy once again. So you guys, you be very careful out there. Be very careful, but I'm glad you are with me on this Monday edition of Lifeline. Jesse Gistan, glad to be behind the Attila Dehan, to work with you for the next hour and 42 minutes. The number is one Five, three, two, nine. Three ideas in the top of my brain. Although I'm willing to engage you in yours, it might be better than mine. The Trump impeachment trials. The Trump impeachment trials are better yet the Senate impeachment trials or better yet the Democratic agenda before he became president to make sure that if he became president, we would impeach him. Are they a big deal to you? Is the fact that the president is under scrutiny and in the process of a Senate impeachment trial right now? Is that a big deal to you? Uh, Many years ago, the world would stop when presidents were on trial uh, to be impeached. Today, not. Uh, I remember the Nixon era, as I stated several weeks ago, and the Clinton era. Uh, which taught me that presidents actually don't stop the world. And boy, I can tell you that is more true today with Donald Trump than it ever has been. The so-called greatest and most powerful man in the world is at present fighting for his reputation, his character, his um, his office, quite frankly, under some of the most Uh, most damning and most uh, most powerful rules that are inherent in our constitution for the purpose of establishing the balances of power. This is as high as you can go uh, when it comes to exercising an organized front against the most powerful man in the world It's to impeach him. That's as far as you can go. This is it. We hit the wall here and the world now has to uh, observe and watch and assess this whole process of uh, impeachment for, um, for uh, for I don't know the uh, the umpteenth number of weeks that's been going on. But I'm asking you as we kind of uh, churn our thoughts and, and begin to cultivate some ideas around what we're going to talk about for the next couple of hours. Is it a big deal for you that the president is being impeached or is it ho-hum? I remember the Nixon era when he was being impeached and how that the whole media process was absolutely uh, it was uh, it was captivating. It was It was spellbinding. It was it was like a looming judgment hanging over the heads of Americans. And particularly, I mean, I was in the sixth grade at that time fighting my way through public school every day just to get home. But I still remember the ominous nature of the impeachment trials and all of the stuff that was coming out back then and how very, uh, at least apparently, hostile the two parties could be towards each other, Democrats and Republicans. It was just absolutely phenomenal how the exposure of R- Richard Nixon, who prior to being exposed for Watergate was just such a hypocrite, such a phony, such a uh, front of a you know professing Christian with all of his conservative rhetoric. And come to find out behind the scenes with the skirts lifted up, he was just wretched, just vile in his speech and and nasty in a lot of his political ways. And it was it was quite alarming to me to be a sixth grader discovering that about politicians. I guess that's really where it began for me, you guys, in terms of. I just do not have a whole lot of confidence in the uh, the, the personalities of the president. I, I really do believe there's a merit to the Manchurian Candidate paradigm or uh, Manchurian Candidate kind of syndrome. The fix this guy up and pour into him all of the synthetic qualities that would appeal to superficial and naive and and uh, overly politicized uh, Americans and. And, and here we are again. Here we are again. And then I, I was a, a young adult uh, when Clinton came on the scene. Uh, I did not believe at all that he was going to be the president. And it just did not dawn on me based upon what was going on at the time while he was governor of Arkansas and all of the stuff that was coming out. And, you know, all of the womanizing and stuff like that, which is very uh, reminiscent of where we are. Uh, With our president at that time, I I was, you know, very much apprehensive of the hyper misogynistic elements of our country, uh, just because I grew up in that kind of context. And by the time I was uh, 15 or 16 years old, it had become uh, part of my character to despise the kind of uh, uh, misogyny that would uh, uh, hurt and abuse and, and mistreat and dominate and dog women. Uh, so, I, you know, I don't have five nanoseconds for men who are engaged in uh, trivializing and uh, objectifying and uh, certainly abusing women. I just I grew up in some bad situations where that was just um, over the top. And so when Clinton uh, was, you know, exposed by so many outlets, I remember Rush Limbaugh and, you know, we are hearing about him right now suffering lung cancer, uh, major lung cancer, which will probably take his life uh, for all intents and purposes which is another amazing and fascinating part of my own journey as I come into the faith and began to forge an understanding of the gospel and the biblical worldview and, and, and what really the call to gospel ministry is about. I cut my teeth on conservative talk radio with, uh, with uh, Limbaugh and Sean Hannity and many in that era when they were really pushing forth some uh, – some some new tactics and new methods of propagandizing for the purpose of of drawing in conservative listeners when uh, our society had so been so drunken under progressive liberal democratic ideology from the sixties of the whole hippie movement et cetera. Uh, It was refreshing to hear from them until it became clear that they were also operating out of that dialectic that drives you so far to an extreme that they now have to keep you hoodwinked by rhetoric and, um, and, and, and by and by, many in the conservative ranks started to fall under the same uh, hypocrisy. I uh, forget the guy on Fox News, Bill Riley, and many of them now have disappeared off the scene for some of the same debauchery and, and, and hypocrisy that uh, we would tout against the Democrats. And the word of God would come back to me very clearly laying out the fundamental principle, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And there's no black and white hat that can be objectively and concretely affirmed as right and wrong in the community of politics. It's all dirty. It's just a measure of dirt. That's all it is. And so when Clinton made it into the presidency, I was shocked. And I realized at that point, yep, you can pull the wool over people's eyes. You can hoodwink people in this system that we call um, a democratic process uh, of voting, you can hoodwink the people and, and at that point, I began gradually divesting myself and particularly after george Bush uh too after uh george w. Bush um, basically uh, collapsed in his uh his presidency to become simply a warmonger monger uh, it just moved me away from even uh, putting any kind of uh, a hope in uh, in in our in our government along the lines of really what America needs to be great. Um, and you can it, both sides can call, and and, and the phone can ring off the hook in terms of uh, you know what 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 the democ- what, what what the president has been able to accomplish over the last several years. That's all good and fine. Uh, that that's that's neither here nor there for me. At that those are such ethereal and temporal uh, accomplishments. At the end of the day, what we have to uh, understand is that unless we work on foundational issues in our country, in terms of making men and women to really truly be virtuous men and women. Uh, at some point the whole house of cards is going to collapse it really is until then the charade keeps up fox news is a perfect example of that look at fox news for those of you who just love the 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 right wing white Look at all of the scandal that has just utterly imploded in that place and the changing of the guards and the faces and the skeleton of a few people left in Fox News, Sean Hannity and a few other people. The vast majority of them have run for the hills, taken, you know, hush money or have been sued. And uh, and, and the place has changed radically had to because it was built upon a flawed foundation. And I think in many ways, that's the way our country is, even though we put up a good, good front. We want to be extremely careful, extremely careful to uh, to recognize truly where we are in our in our nation's uh, trajectory of, of history and whether or not we have uh, the smiling favor of God upon us uh, as we uh, enter into the next decade or so, because there will be radical changes taking place. I assure you of that. Uh, the Trump impeachment trials, uh, as I said again, are they a big deal to you? Um, does that really, does it really matter? Are you, you know, you kind of do like I do listen a little bit and then keep it moving. Secondly, and probably more important to most of you (laughs) than the, uh, Trump impeachment trials, the win that took place yesterday, uh, where we reach the pinnacle of football uh, efforts and labors and collaboration and sports, uh, uh, um, how can I put it, uh, enterprise. We all who are football fans watched the 49ers play the Kansas City Chiefs, and how are we to frame it? The win of Patrick Mahone, is that the emphasis, or the loss Of the 49ers. What is the actual news heading here? How Patrick Mahone was predestined to dismantle the 49ers only in the fourth quarter or how the 49ers were like a deer in the headlamps and just stopped, just stopped like a deer frozen by the headlights of a car, knowing that if in a moment that car, if it doesn't stop, is going to run him smack dab over. Which one is it, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, uh, was it uh, one of those predictable things, or was it a surprise for you? Did the 49ers choke, as I said, like a deer in the headlights, or did the boy wonder, if you will, Patrick Mahone and, and, and D. Williams, his wideout uh, running back, respond like the Kings that they have now been crowned to be? For myself, I enjoyed three quarters of the football game and I was still a fan uh of the 49ers as I, I hope to remain because I just love my local teams. And and I enjoyed the fact that they were up until about uh three and a half minutes into the fourth quarter. And then all of a sudden it became apparent that the KC uh uh, uh officials, the uh the 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 captain of their team, uh, the head coach, and then the uh defensive coach and then the offensive coach found the number of our 49er offense and began to just pick it apart. But what say ye about it? What do you, what do you think? Huh? What kind of analogies can we draw from it? What kind of lessons can we derive from? What kinds of life lessons can we uh, derive from that 49er game, if you will, if you watched it, that would help us. Uh, as we uh, tout ourselves to be the greatest nation in the world. uh, And and believe you me, we are not in uh, the the fourth quarter even yet. Uh, But if we ever hit that fourth quarter, will we have that fundamental DNA that makes it predictable that if you put enough pressure on that front line, that offensive line, if you throw enough guys at the quarterback that at some point they will collapse and uh, freeze and uh, and a predictable outcome uh, will then occur. What's your thoughts on this? One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. For me, it's the analogy of running hurdles. If you ever ran track, you know something about hurdles. Even the low hurdles can be difficult to run if you don't know how to attack the hurdles. When you attack a hurdles, you have to know how to have a lead leg and then a follow-up leg that actually attacks that hurdle to get over it. And uh, sometimes you're going to hit that hurdle and you're going to fall. But which way do you want to do it? You want to hit the hurdle and fall because you were scared of the hurdle? Or do you want to run through that hurdle because, you know, the best thing to do is run it over so that it doesn't run you over. And that's kind of where the way I'm looking at that football game, like, The 49ers should have just hit that hurdle. It doesn't matter what the outcome would have been. Run that ball, bust that defense up, uh, see what they they had in them. Because a game, you guys, isn't known in the first quarter. It's not known in the second quarter. It's not really known in the third quarter. It's in the fourth quarter that you actually know two legitimate, pioneering, competing teams. It's only in the fourth quarter. The first three quarters, all filling each other out, uh, uh, taking advantages of mistakes, uh, the, the 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 elements of 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 their nature starting to to uh, arise, and their their dexterity starting to come together. Um, the adrenaline rush now settling down and, and them getting clarity and focus on the field and, and their intrinsic skill sets are now coming into play. We got a game. Now the fourth quarter is on. We've got a game. One, triple eight, three, six, seven, five, three, two, nine. I'm going to pay some bills and then we'll come back. I'm definitely, definitely. Definitely. If you've got questions on a biblical, spiritual, redemptive, theological nature, let's let's do that too. One triple eight three six seven five three two 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 nine I'm not locked in on football but I'm starting it. Got other things I want to talk to you about as well. Glad to be here hope you are too again one triple eight three six seven five three two nine on the Monday edition of Lifeline. We'll be right back. Definitely, if you've got questions on a biblical, spiritual, redemptive, theological nature. Let's let's do that too. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. I'm not locked in on football, but I'm starting. It. Got other things I want to talk to you about as well. Glad to be here. Hope you are too. Again, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine on the Monday edition of Lifeline. We'll be right back.
2: And now back to Lifeline.
1: Yes, we are. The time 531. And we have three lines open. 18-3675-329. 138 3675 Solomon said again, I saw under the sun. The race is not to the swift. Nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge. But time and chance happens to them all. Our master said in Matthew 24, 13, but the one who endures to the end shall be saved. James, his brother said, blessed is the man. Who remains steadfast under trial, who remains steadfast under trial, who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God hath promised those that love him. And you will be hated for my name's sake, Jesus. This is the game of life for the believer. But the one who endures to the end, he shall be saved. And the apostle said, for you have need of endurance, 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 so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. What are these verses getting at relative to our contemplation of the football game? What was it, my brothers? And I know you watched the game. That changed What was it that caused us to come short? All have sinned and come short of the glory. What, 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 what occurred in our life that turned us out of the way? What, what was the uh, cause for which we were doing very well? As Paul says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? I'm trying to put a biblical context under this game so I can get some of you guys to engage me in it because life is filled with redemptive lessons. Which one of y'all know anything about how football works as a model and analogy of conflict? Between two entities with the goal of pushing one team back while progressing forward and what kind of strategies and what kind of qualities and what kind of characteristics and what kind of temperament you need to be able to succeed in the agon, the agony, agonizomai, the struggle. As the Apostle Paul so clearly laid it out for you and I in the book of uh, First Timothy, when he says, "I have run this race and I have finished my course," see, he knew how to win. Paul knew how to win. What happened? Three lines open: one triple eight three six seven five three two nine one triple eight three six seven five two nine. To uh, talk to you, truly, on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Let's go to line one and talk with Jermaine uh, uh, over in Alameda. Jermaine, are you there? Hello. Hey, Jermaine. Hey. Did you watch the game?
2: Uh, oh yeah, you
0: you know, uh, being from that area, I absolutely <laughs> had to watch it. And, uh, yeah, it was it was a. Uh, it was hard to swallow.
1: <laughs> what part? I mean, what part did, did you – I enjoyed the game. I, let me make sure that my uh, my brothers understand this. I enjoyed the game. I got home just when it had started. Maybe, no, I got home when it was like um, – uh, I got home when I think it was like 10 to 3, and I was like, okay, I got three quarters to go. We're up, and it uh, looked like we're doing pretty good. And, and so I was excited. I was excited all the way – to the fourth quarter, man, what happened? I mean, what, what, how, give me give me a synopsis and an, an analysis of this from your standpoint.
0: Well, uh, you know, as a, as a former athlete yourself, uh, you understood what was going on. The, everything was fine leading up to the fourth quarter. They were scheming properly. The D line was uh, making Patrick Mahomes look like an ordinary creature. Yep. But I guess uh, to kind of relate it biblically, How we live our life, they, they, they kind of let an opening, you know, occur and then the Kansas City Chiefs were able to exploit Mm. and come through. Kind of the way sin is. If you, if you kind of take things for granted that it's going to be okay and you don't do your due diligence and you see what happened when you least expect it, all of a sudden you look up and you're a loser.
1: You mean so you 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 mean when the Bible says be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, is always lurking. And then that same uh apostolic spirit said in Ephesians six ten, put on the whole armor. Don't put on some of the armor. Put on the whole armor of God and keep it on until you have summarily. Vanquished your foe? You're saying that there was a point at which our team uh, uh, allowed an opening to occur and the enemy caught it, and that was it. If that's what you're saying, Jermaine, I totally agree with you. I totally agree.
0: Well, absolutely. And it's just like when I would hear of, uh, you know, people in the faith who you hear of them falling, Mm -hmm. some you know, some ordinary, well, seemingly ordinary sin. It's like, well, how could you fall for that? I was like, well, you know, I I know how they fell. They they slipped. Right. They stopped doing what got them there in the first place. And I speak from experience, not necessarily that respect, but other areas of life where I would pray, God would come in, help me out, and then say, hey, I got it from here, Lord. I'm a coast. Yep. And, you know, right when you're coasting, that's when things kind of creep up on you. And and that's what happened to the 49ers. They, They had the game in the bag. Everything was all locked up, and it looked like, with five minutes ago we, we were going to have a parade. And now I'm just walking around looking at people depressed.
1: Listen, let me let me push it just a little bit further, because you know knowing something about the game, and I'm looking forward to coaching others calling because this is a critical time for us to do integrated theology here, do some collaborative. Uh, 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 redemptive uh, uh, correspondence here between the football game and our life in general. What I saw Jermaine was a loss of personal confidence collectively, collaboratively that the team, the 49ers while they were doing well uh, the first half, when they came back in, in the third quarter, it was apparent that they didn't believe in what they were doing would work that that it could take them through two more quarters into the championship that while you and I and maybe millions of fans for the 49ers were saying just stay the course just keep doing what you're doing. And you know what they were doing. They were relentless in their running game. They were impeccable in their running game. Their defense was fine all the way through. The problem was is that when we came into the third quarter, what I saw was a level of uh, conservatism, a level of kind of, you know, padding the the game until we could get, uh, you know, get 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 into the uh, deep end of the fourth quarter. But w- with that kind of mentality, the Kansas City Chiefs, they were hungry. They were not at all passive. They were relentless as well. They were coming up on our quarterback like we were running up on their quarterback. And it was just a matter of time. As to who would weary, and I saw the 49ers weary at the end of the third quarter because, you know, I mean, that's the nature of the game. It's going to be difficult getting all the way to the top of the hill. That's what I saw. And then I saw them shift from an offense that basically kept the ball in the hands of our running backs. And uh, now all of a sudden the quarterback is throwing these short outs that really weren't acquiring any game, and they were vulnerable. I mean, it was it was like amazing that that occurred. What did you see?
0: Well, you know, I saw that and I also, uh, just what you said, I think you can you can also make a good argument that that began at the end of the second quarter. Yes, sir. At halftime, where the conservatism creeped in and instead of being aggressive, they were they were playing as if they were already going to win the game, trying to preserve something that wasn't theirs yet. Agreed. And so it wasn't so much, it was a great performance by the Chiefs, but it wasn't so much a great performance as it was, the Forty ers just letting their foot off the gas, and
2: yep. Yep. you know
0: someone came right up behind them and, and deservingly took it. And you know you can blame the refs for some some phantom calls and some very questionable judgment down at the end. However, it should have never got there for a team that was, you know, the, the young man Nick Bosa and the Forty er D line. That's a championship line. They were they were harassing him to the point where he was frustrated. He was visibly shaken and they were relentless, but they're human. They ran out of gas.
1: Exactly. And, you know, exactly.
0: That, that's what happened at the end. The, the 49ers let one go. And I. the way I relate that is 10 years ago, I don't know if you remember, I used to call you when I was over there worshiping at the 49er altar in the city. Of course. And, you know, you fast forward now, I would never dream of just skipping worship to come and watch a football game. Right. Well, I've seen so many people fall that way where they neglect. They're going to worship, yep. neglect being around other saints, talking about Scripture, praying, and then all of a sudden like, man, I can't get a break. All these problems are coming. Like, well, you know, I haven't been to church lately. Yep. No, nah, I can't get there. It's like, okay, well, you when you fix that, then you can talk about the other stuff. But you can't really, you can't expect to just have the victory if you're not going to do anything about having the victory.
1: Yes, I think the analogy is great. Time I got to take a break. A great analogy. I'm going to uh, cap that off, Jermaine. Uh, 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 Appreciated being a, a sports uh, fan, a 49er fan, and then also the greatest fan of all uh, of the gospel and of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who promises us the victory as He graces us to walk in the fundamentals. The fundamentals. The fundamentals. The fundamentals. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. All lines are open. One triple eight three. 675329 call me i'll be right back
2: and now back to lifeline
1: all right we're back the time 546 on the monday edition of lifeline three lines open One triple eight three, six, seven, five, three, two, nine, one, triple eight, three, six, seven, five, three, two, nine. if you want to join our conversation bring a new topic i don't mind going to use it as a foundation the loss of the 49ers to um To just nurture some ideas around spiritual things. I remember talking to uh, several young men a couple of days ago about the blessing of us being engaged in sports versus um, uh, street fighting or gang fighting or tribal conflicts that occurred in, uh, in the ancient world, the old world. We are in the modern world, and uh, even though we still have uh, battles of that sort going on in larger parts of the world, they are really in our second world countries and third world countries where that's going on. In our modern world, our battles are a lot different. The analogy still carries through, and I was thinking about this matter of the 49ers losing and really, what was it about? What is the ethical takeaway for me? And, and, and as Jermaine put it, the ethical takeaway for me is the, that of perseverance, that of tenacity, that of, uh, of pressing through, being able to maintain the uh, attitude of endurance and, and, and perseverance, and endurance and, and, and stick to itiveness. Uh, in some ways, we can we can call it just obstinacy. Requires faith. It really does. It requires a quality of confidence that's rooted in a belief that your fundamentals work and that because they're working now, they will continue to work if you don't abandon them. And I was talking to a number of young men that I am developing in terms of ministry for the future. And I was telling them how, uh, when I reflect upon Uh, The 25, 27 years now that I've been in ministry that I look back at a lot of men who had started in the gospel along with myself, Uh, young men. We were early 20s, if you will, and aspiring to uh, influence the kingdom of God in one way or the other, teaching, preaching, evangelism, street ministry, etc., and uh, over the years, five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, I look up now after about 27 years in, uh, in vocational ministry, and I recognize that uh, not one of the men that I started with has continued into ministry at any substantial level. Uh, not one of my uh, peers and constituents with whom we both began to run. The Lord called us by his grace and opened our eyes and gave us a hunger for his word. And we began to enter into the kingdom Enterprise. What that means is you become uh, involved in the church. You begin to serve in the church. You begin to discover your gifts in the church, and you begin to now have your gifts developed and hopefully at some point affirmed. And once they are affirmed, then you deploy those gifts. And the goal is to uh, be able to be a substantial player in the kingdom of God. After all, He saved you for His glory, and uh, and I, I looked up. Over the last twenty-something years, and by no means am I assessing that I'm through with my <laughs> with my work. But I, I'll tell you, I'm close. I, I can tell you that I'm close. Um, it's amazing. I'll be sixty this year, and time flies. And and so I I, I am under no illusions about being in a kind of fourth quarter pattern here in my life. I'd love to be able to preach until I'm 85 or 90, uh, but as a norm, uh, good men who've been graced to preach a long time are slowing down in their 70s at best. So that means I got a I got a dime and a nickel in front of me if God gives me good health. And I still pinch myself that I am in the middle of um, significantly robust ministry after all those years, because anybody in the ministry that really is in the ministry, that really knows what preaching is all about and pastoring and and serving and, and being a, a significant point man for the develop and growth of hundreds and thousands of people uh, as I am, they know the impossibility of that being accomplished and sustained for decades upon decades upon decades apart from the grace of God. They live in the absolute immediate reality of they are only standing by the grace of God. That's where I am. And, and so when we talk about the loss yesterday, what, what I'm taking away from it is somewhere along the lines, either it was Kansas City's ability to buffet them to the point where they stopped believing that they had already made progress and they thought a different route should be uh, engaged in in order to preserve what they have. Ladies and gentlemen, my brothers, please understand the game that God calls you and I to in the matters of the ministry of the gospel are largely offensive. They are largely breaking through principles. They are largely pressing into principles. They are largely forging ahead principles. Very little of it is a matter of merely standing. It's a matter of forging ahead. The gospel is to spread into all the world. So once you get comfortable pastors, once you get settled on your lease, pastors, once you get safe pastors, you're already retreating. I can, I can assure you of that. And therefore, if you have been encouraged by what I'm saying here, what you want to be able to do is ask God for grace to actually uh, enliven your prospect for expansion uh, in a lawful gospel manner consistent with biblical truth and imperatives and, and, and commands, but to do it with the objective of forging ahead. Don't look at the fact that you've been able to do well for three quarters. You got another quarter to go. You could completely lose the whole game in that fourth quarter, Pastor, and your ministry be a shambles. You could completely lose it. Completely lose it. Let me go to line number one and talk with uh, uh, Ken in San Jose. Ken, are you there? I'm here, Pastor
3: Gustin. Yes. going uh, Another aspect of this game that— that I was thinking about. I'm a 49ers fan, and I've uh, been watching all through the season, everything to the Super Bowl. Yeah, but I couldn't help thinking about you know there's sort of a um, a polar opposite in the two cities here. San um, mm-hmm. you know, Francisco, on the one mm-hmm. hand, we know all, about, know all about the moral problems we have here. Yes, sir. Nationally, has a reputation. Yep. In the saddest of the United States. And but what about Kansas? You know, I don't know anything about what has happened there lately. But there was an event. In the 90s, early 90s, that occurred in the city of Wichita, not Kansas City, but in the city of Wichita, it was the only place, really, in the United States where the kind oh, of the Christian community went heart and soul against abortion. Right. They filled stadiums. They did massive civil disobedience, yep. and the churches joined up to the extent that uh, it was, uh, you know, abortion was shut down in that area. And it took uh, the intervention of, I uh, hypocritically, the Bush government. Sure. Where they threatened the churches with takeover to to uh, obtain a uh, unfortunately a victory against the will of the, of the Christian community there. But I just remember which, <clears throat> Wichita. Maybe God was honoring that. Thirty years later, I don't know what happened, but well,
1: I'll tell it you what. I, of it, you know? your, that perspective is great. Um, yeah, your radio's down now. Uh, let me share with you. Just piggybacking on what you just said, brother Ken. I'm, I, I'll tell you. I'm. I'm, I'm just going to actually. I'm going to inflame that ember because what I saw yesterday in uh, the conversation. And the post game with the Kansas City Kansas City team, including Patrick Mahone. and and I'm sure the coach would have been even more overtly affirmative of a uh, a biblical and Christian worldview that operated in the locker room, operated among the teammates. I'm here to let you know. They gave Jesus Christ free course in Kansas City. I'm letting you know right now that that was the thing that was remarkable as I'm listening to several of the guys listening to Holmes, listening to Coach. One of the uh, patterns of of Southern states, particularly when they are in the limelight, like, uh, you know, in sports, whether it's basketball, football or baseball, Southern states that have a historic uh, foundation in biblical truth. Uh, will will not be overtly you know blowing the whistle about Jesus, they will carry themselves with a kind of discreet decorum, but as soon as an opportunity to give glory to God and express faith in Jesus Christ occurs, boom it's off the chart. it becomes evident that their foundation was rooted and grounded in him, and therefore what you're saying is so apropos, so apropos. Don't mean to cast any kind of um, uh, overgeneralized aspersions on the Bay Area here. I really don't uh, because I love the Bay Area here, but I completely concur with what you are saying. I remember when the Warriors started their trend of winning, and and me and my sports aficionado brethren talk about this all the time. When the Warriors were winning, beginning to win, these are the early days of – of the Warriors with Steph Curry and when uh, Mark Jackson was coach. And Mark Jackson was a believer, is a believer. Don't say was, is a believer. And the atmosphere of the clubhouse with the players was around a Christian worldview. And it was starting to ramp up in terms of its momentum, Ken. Uh, Curry was overtly talking about Jesus, overtly talking about Christ, overtly affirming praise to God. And then all of a sudden that started getting clamped down. I'm just telling you what I saw. It started getting clamped down to where, you know, Mark Jackson was removed and all of a sudden Curry is not making any overt statements because he took a few hits with some of his endorsements and uh, all of a sudden now it's hush, hush on any overt expression of a kind of Christian or biblical atmosphere in the locker room. And, a consequence of that, in my own eyes, is they began to go downhill. And today we don't even talk about the warriors. My how quickly uh, the mighty have fallen in terms of just thinking through, as you are saying. If that one degree between success and failure, that one degree... Between success and failure is the integrity of making sure that both of your feet are planted on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Well, that one degree. Of success or failure becomes obvious when we don't give God the glory that He deserves for even getting us into the 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 Super Bowl, let alone getting us across the the, the yellow tape into the finish line or uh into the end zone to be able to be crowned uh the uh the kings of uh, football for that year. So I see a very uh, remote but very uh, apropos analogy there, man. Thank you for that call. Thank you for that contribution. Let let me go to Derek in San Francisco on line number two before we take a break. Derek, what say ye? Hey, how you doing, my brother? I'm good. I'm good. What's, do you, are you a football aficionado? Yes, I am. Okay. Okay. Talk to me then. Talk to me. What, what happened, well, first listen, of all?
2: What happened, man? Listen, God <laughs> does not give us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love. I
1: love that text. I love that text. With, preach it, brother. Preach God. it. <laughs> Preaching, because I was, you listen. Preaching, because yeah, that's man. what I saw.
2: I saw it. We, yes, yes, I know you saw. We have the same oh, spirit, so man. we saw that. Man. When the coach started operating out of a spirit of fear, he lost his sound mind. Yep. He he did not use his timeouts wisely. Nope. He ran when he should have passed. He Mm, passed mm, when he mm, should have mm, ran. mm, 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 He was all confused. mm -hmm. He fell back into the patterns that got him when he was the Atlanta court uh, Falcons O.C.
1: Talk about it, boy.
2: They had a big lead, and he squandered it. Yep. So he fell back into that. You can't just sit back and say, Lord, give it to me. Lord, bless me. Mm -hmm. You have to be strong in the grace
1: that is in Christ Christ Jesus. Jesus. Yep, you right, got to be steadfast. The yep, yeah, unmovable, unmovable. Always, always abounding, abounding, <laughs> always abounding, not sometimes abounding, always abounding, always abounding. Mm-hmm. And we didn't
2: see that yesterday. <sighs> we didn't see that. We saw that for three, three and a half quarters. <laughs> but when it really counted, we mm, did mm, not mm, see mm. that. We uh-huh. saw confusion. We yes. saw chaos. Yes. We saw. Uh, Jimmy G, who is a system quarterback, but the coach has to scheme him into the proper system, the proper throws, the yep. proper openings. Yep. That was not there. Yep, That was not there. You know what, anyway, though, man? We,
1: Listen, go ahead, go ahead. we didn't need him. You, you painted the we, picture perfectly. We didn't need Jimmy to do anything but make sure he didn't drop the ball. The, ball exactly. the ball. Hand off. the
2: ball off. Pound the rock, like you were saying. The gospel, the church. Just pound the rock. You got to be advancing.
1: That's what we're supposed to do. Pound the rock. Pound that, that rock. Gospel. That's all. So that's right. That's what you're supposed to do. Listen, I mean, yeah. if we don't if we don't carry this thing over into the gospel, I, we shouldn't even be talking, because that's where God graciously allows us to see in the lives of human beings the redemptive significance of all that we do. If we can't understand that these are all metaphors, I mean, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, I read eight verses from the old to the new, talking about running the race and enduring to the end, yeah. and you quoted the crown jewel of second. Timothy chapter one, verse seven, Paul said, no, no, Timothy. No, no, no. Don't identify Timothy with your old nature of being timid and fearful. Sit square in the middle of your new nature, which is in Christ and be strong in the Lord and in the grace in which Christ Jesus has given you and receive the prophecy that came to you by the laying on of hands and endure this raise, man. That's what we're called yes. to do.
2: That's what we right. call it. That's, it. That's yeah. Right. All mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. I I believe you now, boy. I believe you. You watch some football. Thank you
2: thank you i 'm glad you finally see.
1: yeah no, thank you, thank you for calling because I wanted to actually uh just just lighten up things because i you know i you got members like i do and, and and they they love the game, they love sports, et cetera, and you know we 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 want to be able to have that measure of uh levity and freedom to enjoy the things of this world, but never ever disassociate them with the uh, grace of God and the the mercy of God in Christ because that would be a shame. God has given us all things freely to enjoy, but they have to be done with a redemptive eye in order for them to be a blessing. I'm sure people have uh, enjoyed uh, our five minute uh, analysis of, of what happened. So I am gonna say one more thing before I go. I'm going to ask you one more thing. So what, what now, man, what do we do? What do we do with Shanahan? And what do we do with the quarterback? What do we do? Do we just do a reset or do we change up some things?
2: No, no. Some things have to be changed. Okay. His father was a head coach who won multiple Super Bowls.
1: Yep.
2: Uh, the GM, John Lynch,
1: yep.
2: won the Super Bowl. Yep. So he's just going to have to allow him to have the humility yep. to be taught how to properly manage a game. It's not just scheming X's and O's. Nope. Nope. You have to manage the clock. You have to redeem the time. Yep. Right, number yep. of the days, like yep. Moses said.
1: That's right. You
2: have to be aware of down and distance, time, situation. As writer in Ecclesiastes said, all of these things. Hopefully, after being uh, chastened, he will now open up and allow himself to be taught how to properly manage the game of football.
1: How to you know, win? How to win. The
2: team, how-, how to win? How to how win? How to win? How to close the deal? not to forget his identity exactly you know like cuz that's what happened we see right they forgot their identity yep. so as we we can't forget our identity in Christ who we are in Christ yep. they forgot who they were as a football team yep. and they paid the ultimate at all
1: price. Yep. And that, that yeah. application, and I got, you know, a lot of pastors listen to to the Monday program. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying because it's, you know, this is one of your, like breath of fresh air for all of us. And so, uh, and I'm saying this to my brothers out there, that, that finishing well, man, is what mm-hmm. we must be committed to because it does. The race is not given to the swift and the strong or the wise or the mighty. It's that brother that finishes well is the brother that found the fundamentals, held to the fundamentals, and and a reward is guaranteed for those who who finish well, and so that 's what I want to encourage all my pastor brethren out there to understand about this particular loss and if it means changing up some things even in the church, because I can tell you derek men are men are very sometimes they 're very uh very reticent very uh, uh, challenged personally. Uh, When it comes to having to change up elements in the church that are stifled, that are hindering, that are not productive, it's really hard to break. Uh, patterns that have been long standing in the church and yet presently have proven over and over and over again not to overcome hurdles, not to advance the church and we can really really uh acquiesce to a kind of conservatism that makes us look like we 're all right, but in the long run because i 'm involved man in trying to help a lot of churches that are are on the uh, brink of closing their doors right um, just because. We really didn't have the wisdom to see through what decades of ministry require. And I, I see it and I, I recognize the fear of doing what is needed to cultivate a change in order to get another harvest before that ministry, um, you know, just, just kind of terminates. It's, and it's a sad scenario that my heart is exercised around all the time, um, so I don't, I don't know where you are uh, with, with those kind of thoughts, but this is what I deal with frequently with local churches.
2: I, I agree with you, and that goes in line with what our Lord said. He said, no man having drunk that old stuff yep. straightway desires the new, because yep. he says that old is better. That's right. That's, you can't move forward looking in the rearview mirror. You know, our God is a God who is progressive within the pages of his word. Yep. There's are the eye-opening revelations within the pages of His Word, yep. within the context and confines of His Word. And that we're stuck in the past. We're not allowing God to do a new thing, biblically, yep. Yep. spiritually, in I got our you.
1: lives and in our ministry. I got you. Well, yes. well put. I'm with you. I'm well well put. I'm with you. With the, within the framework of the book, it is absolutely necessary and imperative that we have an eschatological trajectory that's rooted in a progressive unfolding of real time, right now, fresh. Jesus right. Christ the same yesterday, today, and forevermore in order for us to be relevant. Well put. Yes. Bless you, yes. man. Yes. I'm way, you, I'm way over. I'm way over. All right, got to pay some bills. Lines are open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. We'll turn the corner, and I'm gonna talk about something a little bit, a little bit challenging, I guess, but it, it'll still be worth talking about. So I'll be right back.